0: We're going to be looking, I hope, um, at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. That's actually going to be our text, but let me give you a little bit of a warning that it might actually take me um, quite a bit of the message before we actually get to the text. So if it gets to 12 o'clock and you haven't heard the text yet, you know it will actually be coming. But yep. <laughs> Um our title, there it is, has come, Yep humans made to praise and proclaim God and there as I say you have the title I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question then what's the point of getting up tomorrow you ever ask that question or more positively you know what gets me up each morning well I've got several suggestions that people have said to me about that Um, One person said fairly recently, well, I haven't caught up with uh, Happy Valley yet. I'm still two or three episodes behind. So I'm I'm gonna need to get up tomorrow because I want to catch up with that. Um, One of our students at York, we've got a little student body at York, which is great, said, well, you know, I ought to come for at least one lecture a week, you know, so maybe that's the point of getting up tomorrow. But there are more serious answers than those sort of frivolous answers. One person has said, I want to get up there's something tomorrow. I want to create something beautiful in my life, something beautiful in this world. And a lot of people would be saying, well, I need to get up there tomorrow morning because I need to provide for my family. I need to work and I need to provide for my family. Others perhaps, very ambitious perhaps self-ambitious might say I want to get up tomorrow morning to make a name for myself to put my stamp on this world so there's various suggestions some frivolous some more serious you might think some more noble than others but what about this as a reason for getting up tomorrow this is John Piper who said we exist to see and savour and show the beauty and worth and greatness of God in every sphere of our life how about that for a reason for getting up to do that in your life but where does he get that from sinclair ferguson once pointed out and it's something that's really stuck with me that we live between genesis 4 and revelation 22. in other words we we live after the fall but before the lord's return and sometimes we become so used to living in a fallen world that we often need to go back to the beginning To be reminded that it wasn't always like this, nor was it meant to be like this. So what do we see in the beginning? Well, in the beginning, we see humanity made in the image of God. That's what it tells us back in Genesis 1, isn't it? Unlike anything else in the whole of creation, unlike anything else in the animal world, we are made in the image of god and that's got a lot to say about our purpose by the way that last song which i didn't really know really did spell that out brilliantly great choice there so what's that going to say about the fact that we're made in god's image what's that going to be say about our purpose well a second and i promise you the last quote from john piper is this the point of being created in the image of God is that human beings are destined to display God. That's what images do. That's what an image does. It displays the thing that it is an image of. So we were created in order to display God. But tragically, that clear image of God in human beings was distorted and marred by our disobedience and sin in the act that we know as the fall appears very very early in the Bible Genesis 3 6 we we read this that she that was Eve she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. He was with her and should have been protecting her from the wiles of the servant, not letting her go her own way. Gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And from then onwards, there is a downward trajectory. Death comes into the world. They are driven out of Eden. In chapter 4, we read of the first murder, Cain, of his brother Abel. And by chapter 6, God is saying, the wickedness of men was great in the earth. And you know what that led to? That led to the universal flood, where everybody who refused to go into the ark that was Provided for them there the vast majority of mankind was wiped out leaving only noah and his family and so there was a new start a new start with noah and his immediate family but frankly the improvement didn't last for very long we only get as far as chapter 11 in Genesis, and don't worry, by the way, I'm not going through the Bible chapter by chapter there this <laughs> morning. We only get as far as chapter 11 when we, we hear people. Remember that last person? I want to get up because I want to make my mark on this earth. On well, chapter 11, we read this. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city so that we may make a name for ourselves instead of wanting to display God and show his glory and show his name people were now saying we want to make a name for ourselves God is very gracious and he's very gracious to us at this point he promised after that universal flood that there would never be another one he could have quite morally righteously destroyed us as a race at that point but he didn't he determined instead to bring into being a nation in order to praise his name so in chapter 12 the lord said to abram i will make you a great nation and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you so what was the purpose of this nation this new nation well, that's why I asked Margaret to read for us um, earlier from Isaiah 43 as well as from 1 Peter because Isaiah 43 really sums up what the purpose of this nation was is this new nation the physical descendants of Abram It's created, it'll eventually be called Israel. It'll be given the land of Canaan in which to live. But what will be its primary purpose? Well, in verse 7 of chapter 43, God says about them, they are those who I created for my glory. Mm -hmm. The nation was brought into being for God's glory, and if we'd read on a little bit further if we'd read on into verse 20 and 21 we would have read of that nation being the people i formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise so that's great isn't it now god has a nation who are uh, chosen by him um, who are there to reflect his glory and um, who will show that to all the nations about as well a second new start and surely this one would be more successful if you like but i'm sure if you know your old testament you'll know that there was a record of failure though as we shall see there is also a promise of restoration throughout the Old Testament we see the frequent failure of the people to live for his glory and to declare his praises Edmund Clowney said this about them the people of Israel broke God's covenant and defiled themselves with immorality and idolatry they have become loami not my people, do you remember that Hosea was called by God to to marry a prostitute in order to show the way in which god's people had behaved towards him, and he he gave his children some rather strange names I, as a lad i didn't like being called Gordon. there weren't any other Gordons on Long Benton estate, you know, and you know. I, I wanted to be somebody that everybody else was called, you know. So I really didn't like it at the time. But I think even that was better than somebody shouting down the street to me, you know, Lord, me, you know, not my people, please come in for tea. Can you imagine? Weird name. But it obviously was to strike a chord with the people of how unfaithful they had been to God yet nevertheless although there was this failure many of the prophets including Isaiah they warned that this would eventually lead to their exile which it did they couldn't believe that God would drive them out of the country he had given them but he did because of their unrighteousness but in the last section of Isaiah there is also the promise of future delivery you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God in chapter 61. And I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered, foretaste of the fact that non-Jews, like I suppose most of us here are this morning, that we would be gathered as well as the Jewish people. Which does bring us to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, as I promised. Verses which were first applied, everything in verses 9 and 10, was first applied to the nation of Israel. Many of the phrases back in Exodus chapter 19, very early in their life. And now Peter, very radically appropriates those terms to christian believers one peter is written to a a christian church made up of both jews and gentiles and he takes those phrases and he applies them to them he applies them to us and it's difficult for us to grasp in a sense how radical that was It was very difficult for Jewish Christians to to get that, to accept that. Peter himself needed a vision on a rooftop in Joppa and visits from Cornelius' servants which he had been told about in a vision for him to grasp the truth that God accepted non-Jews without favoritism just as he accepts us on the basis of faith in the lord jesus christ that was a huge step for them in fact frankly when you read through acts when you look at the council of jerusalem and so on you see that some of the jewish christians never got it it was a big jump john Stott said this to see israel melt into the church and the gospel to be liberated from its jewish clothing was a tough call so then we come to 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10 if any of you happened to be standing outside Allen Road last weekend um, you would have no doubt heard the ubiquitous chant that is chanted at virtually every football ground throughout the country who are you it's a chant that's usually shouted at the opposition supporters, usually always in fact, in absolute derision. <laughs> in fact, somebody has told me fairly recently, have any of you come across the little game Wordle that was very popular one time? Well apparently there's a football version of it, which is called Who Are You? Well, one Peter chapter two and verse nine tells us, it answers that question for us. Who are you? And I want to to just look at five or six things that 1 Peter 2 verse 9 tells us about ourselves. What God says about you and me. And I want to just take another verse, mainly from Paul's writings, to, to show that, to reflect that for each one of them. So first of all, he says, you are a chosen people. chosen race a chosen generation ephesians 1 verse 4 says this god chose us in him that's in jesus before the beginning of the world now somebody from outside here and that says well that's a very boastful thing to say is isn't that full of pride to say that you are a chosen people. But somebody said once to me, and I thought very helpfully, notice it says you're a chosen people. It doesn't say you're a choice people. Doesn't say you're any better than anybody else. But by God's grace, he chose you. Israel was no bigger and no better than all of the other nations but in Deuteronomy we're told that God chose them because he chose them because he chose to love them and set his love upon them so we are a chosen people we are a royal priesthood bringing two things together the king and the priest now that's pretty unusual In the Old Testament, there are only two people who unite kingship and priesthood. One of them is an unusual guy called Melchizedek, who certainly looks forward to the Lord Jesus. And the other is the future Messiah, who is spoken of as being both a priest and a king. But as Christians, we enjoy that privilege in Christ and by the way the priesthood doesn't relate to a specific group of people ministers or clergy the word for priesthood that's used in the New Testament always means the corporate function of all believers the priesthood of all believers do you remember back in Isaiah Isaiah said and you will all be called priests Of the Lord so you are a priest I am a priest part of the function of a priest was to bring sacrifices to the Lord what will we bring as God's priests well it says in chapter 2 that we are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through The lord jesus christ and in hebrews 13 15 we're told through jesus therefore let us continually offer to god a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name sometimes it's easy to bring our praise to god sometimes when we're going through rough difficult times It really is a sacrifice of praise that we bring to God. But God is always worthy of honour, always worthy of our praise. Romans 12 tells us as well, doesn't it, to to bring our bodies, to bring ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Not a sacrifice to, to be put to death, but a sacrifice to live for God so we're a chosen people we're a a royal priesthood and we are God's special possession ESV we are a people for his own possession his own special people when Paul was writing to Titus as he was uh, in Crete and he was given the the role uh, uh, to uh, recognize other elders uh, Titus important to have elders in the plural in the church uh, in order that it might function properly he said this to Titus Jesus gave himself for us to purify for himself a people that are his very own in a sense all humanity are oh gods in that they are creatures and he created them but in Christ there are people who are his very own who he has set his eyes on who are the apple of his eye whom he loves particularly then also Peter in this verse tells them that you were called out of darkness into his wonderful light He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once each and every one of us walked in darkness, in ignorance of who God really is and in the darkness of sin rebelling against him. One of Paul's letters, he uses exactly that same uh, phrase Uh, to describe the believers there in colossi he says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves which is a kingdom of light so as we sit here this morning we're in one of two positions we are either people who have been brought out of a kingdom of darkness and into a kingdom of light or We are still in that dominion of darkness there's no neutral position and if you're in that that's a position i would encourage you even this morning to cry out to god that he would bring you out of that dominion of darkness into his glorious light then again peter says you are the people of God once you were not a people he said now you are the people of God now again somebody might say well that phrase being the people of God surely that referred to the Jewish people the Jewish nation they were the specific people of God at the minute in York we're going through the letter to the Galatians uh, in in the evenings and Paul is very, very keen there to, to point out that those who are in Christ are the people of God, are the spiritual heirs of Abraham. And in Galatians 3.29, he says this, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs of into the promise you might not be physically an heir of Abraham but he says if you have that same faith then you are Abraham's spiritual seed and finally in this verse a lot in that one verse isn't there? he reminds us that we are people who have received mercy once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy mercy god's kindness to people in desperate need do you recognize that of yourself that you were in desperate need and god saved you not because of how beautiful you were or how earnestly you were seeking him because you probably weren't but it was out of his undeserved mercy to you again Paul in Ephesians 2 put it like this but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions so I don't know what kind of weeks you just had but if you've come along this morning feeling pretty rubbish, hmm. if you're feeling pretty down on yourself and aware of all your failings, I'm not going to say this, that you're wrong about that. You have, just like me. You've got loads of failings. But just remember, who are you? This is how God sees you if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning this is your great privilege and you know let that encourage you that whatever you think of yourself whatever other people think of you this is how God sees you and this is true this is reality however you feel that is who you are But then I want to just spend a little bit of time, and not nearly as much time, on verse 10, under the thought of, why are you? You know, if that's who we are, well, why are we? Why has God made us like this? And it takes us right back to where we started at the beginning. Peter tells us that he has done this for us. That's, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you or the NIV, that you may declare the praises of him who called you that's what we're called to do now i don't doubt that there are points or places in our life where it can be tough to do that but I think it's worth saying that I don't think there's any place in the UK where anyone needs to be a secret believer. For none of us is it going to be such a sacrifice to declare the praises of the Lord. So how and where do we do that? Well, in a sense, it begins behind closed doors. We have our prayer life with God himself whatever our family prayer life whatever our church life nothing takes away from the need for a one-to-one relationship with your saviour with the living God this is where praise begins but it shouldn't just stay there it also comes out with God's people I hope that's been part of your purpose in rolling up here this morning you come it's the lord's day it's the day where you can gather together with your brothers and sisters and you can proclaim god's praises together as we read god's word as we pray as we sing together not just from the lips but hopefully from the heart we are praising god (laughs) together proclaiming his praises together and when you're baptized you are making that that public profession that here I am I am proclaiming the excellencies of God what he has done for me I'm nailing my colours to the mast I'm following him and proclaiming his excellencies that's relatively easy to do isn't it (laughs) but sometimes also we are called on well always we're called on to proclaim his praises in the world and sometimes not always but sometimes that world can be hostile and that's when it becomes tough when we fear when we're afraid to walk our mouths at work in case we're going to be cancelled or in case it's actually going to even threaten our career path in certain ways. Do you remember the, the, the man who the Lord Jesus uh, rescued? He had a, a multitude of demons in him and he was living out in the fields amongst the wild animals, chained, and the people were scared of him. And the Lord delivered them him from them all and he said quite naturally perhaps you know he's just full of gratitude and he says Lord you know you know I'll go with you let me come with you wherever you're going and what did Jesus say to him he said return home and tell how much God has done for you because for some people home is the toughest Part of the world, the hostile world. Go home and tell how much God has done for you. So my just final comment this morning, final little quote from a guy called Tony Reinker He said this: "This is what we're doing, as we're living out our Christian lives in Otley, and ill to be wherever you live, piece by piece." We are beginning to tell the world through our lives and our words and our affections. You know? What do we love? Who do we love? That we're telling the world through our lives and our words and our affections that God alone is awesome. And that brothers and sisters is at least one good reason getting up tomorrow may the lord bless his word to us we're going to sing now in closing um oh lord my rock and my redeemer and i particularly chose it um just for how it concludes the last line is this may all my days bring glory to your name and that hopefully is our desire if we're a believer today that all our days will bring glory to his name